Did you know Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Mondovi is really growing to meet the needs of farmers? Matt has expanded his service area, and your animals can enjoy the expanded feed lines and bulk custom feed mixes right now. He also has seed for all your planting needs for next spring's planting. Visit Bluff Country Feed and Seeds website at bluffcountryfs.com to see what Matt and the crew can do for you. Chilson Motors with Gene Chilson, our sponsors of our Wax Farm Show podcast. At Chilson's Corner Motors of Kadat and Chilson Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram, we have an excellent selection of certified pre-owned Ram models to choose from. Purchase a certified Ram and receive our seven-year, 100,000-mile warranty and its factory-backed coverage from Ram. A certified Ram offers a great deal of confidence and peace of mind with a seven-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And we now have a great selection in stock and ready for immediate delivery. And ready to get those farm chores done. Absolutely. To see all the models, call, click, or visit Chilson's Corner Motors of Kadat on the corner of Highway 27 and X or Chilson Chrysler Dodge on Business Highway 53 or visit us on the web at chilson.com. And remember, let our family take care of your family. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. You've got Jill Welke to do the farm chores with you here on Wax 104.5. We've got a lot of stuff to get through. We're going to talk milk production numbers. We're going to talk about Mexico's decree of not taking any U.S. GMO corn. And we're going to also talk about some conferences happening down in Wisconsin Dells and one in Manitowoc. And Pam... From Madison, t- caught up with Lil- Will Lauks. He's vice president of the Global Economic Affairs for the U.S. Dairy Export Council. We're talking a little bit of dairy numbers and exports and where where our money is, where the milk is going to go that we're going to talk about. We've got markets. We're going to also hear from a young lady from Auburndale FFA, Sonia Merritt. We did a quick little interview about their snow glow, the ice glow, excuse me. And she's going to tell us more about it because I've never been there. So she had all the goods and it's a great community service project for this Saturday going from five to nine. I don't know how that's going to work out with the cold weather, but hopefully you, if you're out there and about, you reach out and find out if it's still happening. But the Auburndale effort. FFA is having a snow glow. It's a lighted pathway through their forest that they take care of. They've got nice paths through the forest, and it's supposed to be just kind of a community event. There is concessions there. That's happening Saturday from 5 to 9. It's put on by the FFA officers. It's a free will donation, and the charity money, the money goes to the charity Sleep in Heavenly Peace. There will be a concession stand with hot chocolate out there and uh sounds pretty interesting um and we'll go over some more of the other events happening around our area that are going to be happening kind of this weekend and and uh we (laughs) my drive up this morning was a snowy one i would definitely call it snow showers this morning the wind is blowing the snow is going so give yourself some extra time out there if you've got to be out and about today 
It's uh, the cold. It's kind of cold out this morning, too. Right now in Eau Claire, the temperature is 16, and it's snowing. It's snowing out there, and it's blowing around. Makes it a little bit interesting to get around. I did check. I didn't see any closings before I started the show. I will check periodically, or if there's any delays, I'll let you know. And um, But take your time. Give those plow truck drivers plenty of space because they're out there doing their job and making it safe for everybody to drive. And today, our high is supposed to be 30 with snow in the morning, but it's going to be windy. Tonight, the temperature drops down to 6. Tomorrow, we're only going to make it up to 13 and cold. That's what the forecaster said, cold. Tomorrow is 13. Tomorrow night, negative 4. Sunday, high of 6. Monday, high of 2. Tuesday, we're going to crawl up a little bit to get to 12. Wednesday 13, Thursday 10, with the night temperatures below zero. Maybe there will at least be a little bit of sun out there for us to uh, at least look at out the window. But it sounds like a good day to do some cookie baking and spend some time inside. That's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. Maybe they'll even have some of that adventure up here. But uh, we've got a busy schedule up here. Got a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of markets to get to. So I guess we better get at it. That's 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's 5.01 here at Wax 104.5. And like I said, we've got to get going on our, our program. And we're going to start out with our national news. NBC News Radio, I'm Trey Thomas. The suspect in the Northern California mass shootings is admitting to what happened in a jailhouse interview. The 66-year-old man is accused of killing seven workers earlier this week at two farm sites in Half Moon Bay, just south of San Francisco. In an exclusive interview with NBC Bay Area, the suspect admitted he committed the fatal shootings. He said he endured years of bullying and long hours working on on the farms, adding he wasn't in his right mind the day of the massacre. Video of the interaction between Memphis police and Tyree Nichols is said to be released sometime after 6 p.m. Central Time Friday. Thursday, Shelby County District Attorney General Steve Mulroy listed the charges against the five former police officers involved in the violent arrest. Second degree murder, aggravated assault, aggravating kidnapping, official misconduct through unauthorized exercise of power. Nichols, a black man, died in the hospital days after a January 7th traffic stop involving the police officers, who were also black. The Republican National Committee will elect a new leader Friday. They'll conduct elections for chair and other top offices. Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel is seeking her fourth term and is being challenged by two Trump supporters. Russian Olympic officials on Thursday praised the International Olympic Committee's decision to allow Russian athletes to compete in next year's summer games in Paris. The IOC executive board agreed to let athletes from Russia and Belarus compete in the games if they are not, as the IOC put it, actively supporting Russia's war in Ukraine. You're listening to NBC News Radio. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, we're going to go over our temperatures around the area. Eau Claire, 
16, snow showers. Medford, 8. Rice Lake, 15. Wausau, 11 and cloudy. Green Bay, 13 and mostly cloudy. Marshfield, 12 and snow. La Crosse, 19. Madison, 12 and clear. And Milwaukee, 13 and clear. And when I looked at the radar, there are big um, formations of snow happening out there. We're kind of... We're kind of in the middle of it. There's two on big sides of us, but there are no weather warnings or watches for our area. There is one that's south and in Iowa, but, you know, it may be coming here, maybe not. And today our high is going to be 30 with snow coming and it's windy this morning. Low tonight is 6, tomorrow 13, tomorrow night below zero, and then the temperature falls out with highs only in the single digits or the low teens for the next few days, and nightly lows are below zero. So make sure your cattle have the waters open and keep uh, everybody healthy out there. I know it's not so healthy for the humans all the time, but sometimes if you do a little bit of taking care of it before it gets so cold, it works out. I know that's what I always do. So we've got a lot of chores left to do here, but the next thing up are the markets. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And it is market time, sponsored by Rural Mutual Insurance. We're going to start out with our cash livestock. Choice fed beef steers are 147 to 163 and a half, with mixed at a dollar to 146 and a half. Choice fed beef heifers are 146 and a half to 155, with mixed at 97 to 145. Choice fed Holstein steers are 130 to 148 and a half. With select and silage fed steers, 97 to 129 and a half. Cows are 65 to 102 with bulls at 78 to 108. Butcher hogs are 73 to 93 with sows at 37 to 44. Boars are 10 to 22. Unshorn market lambs are 105 to 132 with feeder lambs at a dollar to 220. Ewes are 60 to 90. Small goats are 10 to $170. Medium goats are 115 to $230. And large goats at 150 to $300. With nanny goats at 30 to $220. We'll slide on over to our futures markets. Our live cattle, those mar- these markets are trending downward. For futures for the live cattle, February 156, 72.5, down 87.5 cents. For April, 160.52.5 down a dollar two and a half for June 157.37 and a half down 82 and a half and August 157.55 down 62 and a half and our feeder cattle markets a January 179.57 and a half that's up 17 and a half cents March 182.85 down 90 cents April 187 down a dollar 35 and May 191 and a half down $1.30. And our lean hog carcasses, those markets are heading upward. February 77.02 and a half up 22 and a half cents. April 87 up $1.67 and a half. May 94.85 up $1.37 and a half. And June 103.05 up $1.25. We'll slide on over to our Chicago Board of Trade. March corn, 683 up a penny. March oats, 364 down a penny and a half. March soybeans, 1521 down two cents. Soybean meal, $467 a ton, uh, down a fraction. 
And our March wheat, 8.59, down 5 cents. And our dairy markets, barrels, 159, up 1 and 3 quarters. 40 pound blocks, 196, up 4 and a quarter. And our gray double A butter, 226 and 3 quarters, no change from yesterday. And our class 3 milk futures, January 1940, up, up a nickel. February, up 11 cents to 18.32. March, 18.16, up 21 cents. April, 18.35, up 15 cents. And May, up 15 cents to 18.70. And that market is trending upward for the first half of the year, and then it trends downward in the second half of the year. And that's a look at our markets, sponsored by Rural Mutual Insurance here on Wax 104.5. We need to get through some more chores. It's quarter after five. We better get those chores done. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And before we head off to our other chores, we're going to be hearing from Sonia Merritt from the Auburn LFFA about their ice glow. I ended up with an interesting email from a young lady from Auburndale FFA, Sonia Merritt. She is the reporter for the chapter, and she wanted to make sure that I knew about a community service activity that's going to be happening on the 28th of January. Tell me what's going on. So we're holding our second ever ice glow at our school forest shelter in Auburndale, and we are hosting it because we want to spread word and donate proceeds of this event to a local Spencer chapter charity, which is the Sleep in Heavenly Peace Foundation. So anyone's welcome of all ages to come out, enjoy some time, walk through our trails that will be filled with blocks of ice that are all lit up and colorful, and, you know, just spread the word to that charity organization. The Auburndale Ice Glow, what time does it run? So it's going to run... 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Saturday of the 28th. There is no admission fee. There will be a donation box set up. Are you going to be out there hosting? Yes, I will be, along with a bunch of other officers. And we will have our middle schoolers that are willing to volunteer come help us, too, running concessions, keeping track of the fire that we'll have there at the fire pit, and just keeping company to all of our community members. So there's concessions available? Yes, there will be hot chocolate that you can purchase in the school forest shelter and those proceeds will also go to the charity and that was sonia merritt she's a reporter from the auburndale ffa talking about their ice glow that's happening january 28th from 5 to 9 p.m at the auburndale ffa forest find out what the ice glow is all about a great thing for charity and i'm jill welke I found it pretty interesting that she reached out to me, and they're really stoked up about doing it. I know it's going to be cold, so we'll have to just stay in touch and see what happens. We need to get through some more chores before we'll be hearing from Pam, and she's going to be talking to Will Lux. He's the Vice President of Global Economic Affairs and talking about the U.S. Dairy Export Council. And the dairy. They, she met up with him at the Dairy Strong Conference. So we better get at it and get some more chores done. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Uncertainty. It is a phrase that's already been used quite a little bit in 2023. 
whether talking about the U.S. economy, the global economy, or agriculture in general. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yonke from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And it was a topic for conversation during the recent Dairy Strong Conference in Madison, where Will Lokes, Vice President of Global Economic Affairs for the U.S. Dairy Export Council, tried to paint a picture on what 2023 is going to bring the U.S. dairy industry as far as obstacles and opportunity. One item we started off with immediately, China. So projections are that China's population has flatlined as far as growth is concerned, and India will now become the world partner that everyone's looking to. That poses challenging for U.S. dairy. I talked to Will Lokes about India as a potential dairy partner in the future. Yeah, India is a tricky market for U.S. dairy. So fundamentally, we really don't have access to the Indian market. They've got a health certificate there that fundamentally we can't use in the United States. So Europe and New Zealand get a bit of access. But frankly, even if we got that health certificate, I think overnight the Indian government would probably create a different certificate that would ultimately block us from accessing that market anyway. So Mm -hmm. really, they have a very strong strong domestic production, who is very powerful politically, and they really don't want to allow any imports. And so it's going to be challenging, even as their population grows, to really be accessing that Indian market. So I think our future overseas is in a lot of the other markets where the U.S. dairy industry and the Export Council have invested a lot of time, energy, money into those markets to build demand and to build opportunities. You know, we started the conversation with China. That is still a very valuable market to the U.S. dairy industry. But it has evolved. It has evolved. And it's also a very challenging market, too, in its own right. So, yes, we're not in the midst of the U.S.-China trade Mm -hmm. dispute anymore, but we still have hurdles. And for one, there's still uncertainty around that trade environment. We are only in a phase one agreement. We don't have a full resolution to that trade dispute. So, in fact, the retaliatory tariffs that China put on U.S. products are technically still on, but you can get exemptions Mm -hmm. to those uh, retaliatory tariffs. Mm-hmm. Now, that's great, except for the fact that that's an added hurdle for importers. Uh, importers have a choice. Do they want to go through that added issue, or do they instead say, you know what, I don't have to do that for New Zealand. They've got a better tariff anyways. I'll instead buy from Europe, New Zealand, etc. So we're kind of in, on the back foot within China. I still think there's a lot of opportunity. They're the biggest importer in the world, but their population's not growing, and there's a lot of uncertainty in that market. So really, I think the importance for the U.S. is be diversified. We can't put all our eggs in China and instead be thinking about where else we can really be taken advantage of. Hey, Will, help us understand uh, different product categories that may resonate with certain geographies. I think we get real caught up in, well, you're in Wisconsin, so it's always about cheese, but fluid and things like that. I think sometimes we forget about the value-added products that might be really appealing in other geographies. Yeah, that's certainly the case. I mean, the U.S. has a pretty diversified product mix. I mean, even the cheese that Mm -hmm. we export isn't just, you know, bulk commodity cheddar. It's all also higher value specialty products. We export a lot of cream cheese. We export a lot of mozzarella. And so we've got a diversified mix within there and also on the whey space too. High protein whey, the U.S. is the largest exporter in the world at mm-hmm. WPCAD and WPI. That's huge. And that's a high value return for farmers, uh, certainly here in the upper Midwest and in Wisconsin. Uh, but we also export a lot of other products too, including on the skim milk powder side. That, of course, is very big, especially out west. But also we do have balancing plants here in the mm-hmm. upper Midwest too. Um, I think for us, as we look ahead, we're going to need to continue to diversify our portfolio, make sure we're offering the whole product category mix. I think fluid milk will always 
always be challenged by the fact that you're exporting a lot of water. And so does that make economic sense to export fluid milk? You know, in some cases it does. There are opportunities to create a premium. I think we've seen that in Taiwan very successfully. Uh, the U.S. is the largest exporter of fluid milk to that market, interestingly enough. Mm. But, you know, overall, I think where our future is, is thinking about how do we add value to our ingredients? How do we add value to our cheese? Because if we add just 10 cents to the block price to the and the barrel price, mm-hmm. ultimately we're going to move that class three price by close to a dollar. If we get 10 cents better on our driveway, we're going to add close to 60 cents to the class three price. That really matters to farmers. So it's not just about diversification of portfolio. It's also about adding value to the products that we ship. And that will also help us a lot too. Talk to me about the rising interest rates, uh, the talk of a recession. It's not a, a conversation unique to the United States. Yeah, it's certainly not. Uh, we certainly see rising interest rates both in the U.S. and around the world. But really the Fed uh, here in the U.S. has been taking the lead on really raising interest rates to cool inflation. And frankly, it seems to be working. We are seeing inflation start to come down, frankly, as interest rates have slammed the brakes on the economy. And so we were kind of left in a catch-22 scenario of high inflation, Mm -hmm. or do we have a slower economy? Mm -hmm. And I think we're choosing to pull back on inflation. Mm -hmm. And I I think, frankly, that makes sense. But I've been really impressed by how strong the U.S. economy is. You know, our labor market's in good shape. Mm-hmm. You know, folks are continuing to spend. So dairy consumption in the U.S. is at, is holding up pretty well. Internationally, though, it's a different case. I think we are starting to see much more of a demand pullback. I think economies, especially in Europe, probably are heading for a recession this year. Um, but there's a lot of question marks still in the year ahead as we see really the full impact of higher interest rates because those take a while to work their way into the economic system. You know, one area of the globe that doesn't seem to feel that quite as much, uh, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, and you were mentioning in, during your conversation about what they look for in dairy and the challenges perhaps that the U.S. has to overcome to get more dairy there. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we see the Middle East, North Africa as a really important market for the United States. I was actually just there this past year mm. uh, and uh, in 2022 and was able to see firsthand how involved and committed U.S. Uh, suppliers and exporters are to that market and how much uh, importers in that market really want U.S. products. So that's great news. The issues, of course, are, you know, in many ways, that's Europe's back door. It's, mm-hmm. it's there, Mexico. They are very quick in order to ship product. If somebody yeah. in uh, Egypt or in Turkey or in Saudi Arabia wants product, Europe can get it there a lot quicker than we can. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we're the growing market of production and especially over the long term. So I think there's a lot of future for us in that market, especially given the fact that with higher energy prices, their economies are looking in better shape, or at least some of them, the uh, oil exporting mm-hmm. ones, are looking in better shape than a lot of other economies around the world right now. Well, you talk about transportation. That was another highlight you brought to dairy producers. The craziness that had been part of moving anything internationally has dissipated a bit. It has, yeah. Thankfully, uh, compared to last year where, man, it was expensive to ship and it was hard to reliably yeah. secure passage on an ocean carrier vessel. You know, the U.S. Dairy Export Council and the National Milk Producers Federation worked really hard to get the Ocean Shipping Reform Act passed. But also what we've seen here recently is that imports in the U.S. have cooled off quite a bit just as we talked about with the economy, consumption's cooled off. And so what that's meant is really the import push that was really driving a lot of the headaches around shipping and freight and supply chains has cooled 
cooled off quite a bit. So now we're in much better shape to continue to meet the needs of our customers quickly and as efficiently as possible, really back to where we were almost before the pandemic. Will, I don't want to push out of your comfort level, but one thing that doesn't get as much attention that U.S. Dairy Export Council does are form partnerships within country, product development. Uh, I witnessed a, a place in China just outside of Harbin that's basically one of those uh, cooperative ventures where USDEC comes in and says, hey, we're going to help you, we're going to partner. Are those paying dividends to us? I certainly think so. I mean, I think what we're seeing right now in the global market is the U.S. is gaining share in the markets that we're putting investment dollars into. We're seeing the U.S. gain market mm-hmm. share or in a tough environment, hold market share when you, you wouldn't think we would otherwise. Mm-hmm. In, I think especially Southeast Asia. I think in North Asia and Japan and Korea, we talked about China having mm-hmm. its own issues. But really, the U.S. is holding well and building market share in these regions and getting a better value for those exports. So I think that's the investment that we're seeing as we work with customers to develop that. And also it's paying dividends in total demand because, hey, if they use a little bit more dairy in those products, we're going to see demand grow. And I think that's a critical piece. So we're seeing demand growth in most markets outside of this past year with China. So, And long term, we think China's going to go right back to growth. So we see a lot of opportunities as populations grow, as incomes grow, and as U.S. debt continues to work with those importers to really increase the amount of dairy in those diets. That's the voice of Will Lokes. He is the vice president, global economic affairs at the U.S. Dairy Export Council. Now, granted, uh, given the culture of India, you can understand his hesitation about getting too excited on what U.S. dairy will do there. But the good news is dairy consumption in India is going up. According to statistics out of India, they saw total domestic consumption on the volume of milk at 203 million metric ton last year. That was an increase compared to 199 million metric ton in 2021. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yankee. Well, thanks, Pam, for that update. And hopefully we can open up some of those markets and get that milk out there. You know, it's a great thing to have. We're going to be going through some few more chores, and then we're going to look at some ag news. The first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, we're going to change it up a bit because Morgan is in the house, and I've got her news ready to rock and roll. Good morning, Morgan. Good morning. Here's what we're learning today. We start at the bench where Stephen Avery's lawyers say new evidence in the case requires a new trial. If you were part of the Making a Murderer Netflix series, well, his attorneys made the argument in their latest filing in the case. Avery, of course, serving a life sentence for the 2005 murder of Teresa Halbach. But his legal team says the state needs to reopen the case. His lawyer says another relative was seen with Halbach's SUV near the time she was killed, and that evidence must be examined. Though judges have repeatedly turned down Avery's requests for a new trial. The police chief in Green Bay is reminding people not to mail him drugs. Yes, this happened, and yes, we're going to open up the letter for details. Chief Chris Davis says someone mailed him fentanyl and cocaine this week. The drugs were flagged by the post office before they ever got to the chief, but he says he was told about them right away and that there was a note explaining why the sender mailed the drugs, though the chief says there are better ways to handle unwanted drugs, like a drop box at the police station. The chief says no one should ever mail drugs to anyone, let alone him. More to howl about with the wolf count in Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources will hold a virtual listening session on wolf management. But can everyone take part in it? That's kind of the question now. Wisconsin Farm Bureau President Kevin Krentz says many farmers in the area most affected by wolves just don't have adequate broadband coverage to participate. What we want is for them to have a hearing in a primal wolf 
habitat area, mainly northern Wisconsin, so that we can have Wisconsin residents having a voice in this process. Now, the online public hearing, that's scheduled for February 7th at 4 p.m. Public comments can also be submitted until the end of February. And if you go to 715newsroom.com, you can find that and more about it with a link directly to the DNR and the Wolf Management Plan. Well, we're on the state level. The Department of Health Services has another $8 million in settlement funding stemming from lawsuits against opioid manufacturers. Director of Opioid Initiatives Paul Krupski says any choices that are made by DHS will have to be approved by the legislature's Republican-controlled Joint Finance Committee. Last year's plan, they ended up approving uh, about 85% of what the Department of Health Services proposed, uh, and they made a few, you know, a few altercations in there as well. But last year's proposal went toward assisting the state's tribal nations with their drug abatement programs, as well as improving our state's own treatment facilities. You can find out more online. We make that click to DHS easy when you stop first at 715newsroom.com. There's another lunch option coming our way. Jersey Mike's lands in Eau Claire. The company's website says two stores will be opening soon, one on Claremont Avenue next to Shopco Optical. The other will be near the mall. No word on when exactly that'll be open and ready for your lunch options. And we're going to make a splash. Of course, uh, most of our water is definitely going to freeze in the next few days here as we dip back into true winter. That's not the case everywhere. And one seafood company is offering a big reward for anyone who can go under the sea to find a mythical creature. Chicken of the Sea is going to give someone a million dollars if... They submit video evidence and set up an interview with a mermaid. The contest's very specific rules point out that aquatic animals such as manatees, dolphins, and sharks are not mermaids. The rules also specify that any other mythical oceanic, lake, river, and or water-dwelling creatures like sirens or blue men are not eligible as well. Contestants have until the end of next month to submit their entries. I'm Mark Mayfield. Well, we leave the surf and go back to the turf and the barn with Joe Welke and your Midwest Farm Show on Wax 104.5. That definitely sounds like an interesting uh, conversation to be had, talking to a blue person. I don't know. Well, let's see if uh, Mike is back in from outside and see if he's blue or got warmed up. That reminds me of a song uh, that was popular in, I want to say it was the late 90s, early 2000s. You know that song, I'm Blue, it goes <laughs> dubba dee dubba die. That's, well, that's what that made me think of. Okay, well, <laughs> if you can sing it, I cannot. No one needs to hear me sing, Joe. The point is we want listeners. We don't want people to tune out, so <laughs> well, I'll, I you, won't be doing any singing here. And you don't want me singing either, so. <laughs> well, good deal. Then how about I just uh, talk about the weather instead of sing about it? Perfect. As uh, today, I mean, of course, we have that snow early on but our temperatures will actually climb pretty quickly going into the mid-morning hours but then they'll start to dip going into the afternoon actually pretty quickly as those winds shift out of the northwest and today will be rather breezy for the most part with winds that are gusting anywhere uh, from 25 to 30 miles per hour that sets up a blustery night with a lot of us dipping to the low single digits with a mainly cloudy sky maybe a few breaks in the clouds overnight Tomorrow brings us just a very slight chance at a few snow showers, but most of those likely hanging out further towards the south, at least the heavier stuff anyways. Highs mostly into the low teens and later tomorrow night, dipping to the low single digits below zero. Then Sunday, much cooler, single digits for our highs and another chance at just a brief snow shower after midnight on Sunday. Lows right around negative seven and then going into Monday, still staying cold, low single digits for our highs. Then we get a brief uptick in our temperatures towards the middle of next week, but still well below average. 
and we hang out mostly into the low teens. A little bit more sunshine in store for Tuesday, but then clouds roll back in on Wednesday. For right now, we do have some light snow in the area and a temperature of 18 degrees in Eau Claire. Well, 18 degrees is definitely not balmy this morning. No, not compared to what we've had. (laughs) Well, we'll just keep holding on and put on more flannels, I think. I think that's a good deal, Jill. You have a good weekend. Yes, you too. Mm -hmm. And that was Mike Dandria telling us about our weather from TV 13 weather station. I don't know. Whatever we got. We got to get some more chores done, and then we'll talk some ag news. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Let's jump on over some of our ag news. Milk production in Wisconsin in December was 2.66 billion pounds. That's up 1% from last year at the same time. According to the latest USDA National Agricultural Statistics Service milk production report. With the average number of milk cows in December at 1.27 million head, that's 1,000 fewer than last month and 5,000 fewer than December 2021. But the monthly production per cow averaged 2,095 pounds. That's up 20 pounds from last December here in Wisconsin. But nationally, milk production in the 24 major milk-producing states in December totaled just over 18 billion pounds, up just short of 1% from December 2021. The number of milk cows on farms in the 24 major milk-producing states was 8.92 million head, 9,000 less head than November, but 38,000 more head than December 2021, with production per cow averaging 2,032 pounds. That's 8 pounds more than last year. California cows produce less than 1 billion pounds more than Wisconsin cows, which are second in production in the nation, followed by Texas, Illinois, and New York. United States and Mexican leaders continue to talk about Mexico's decree of not importing any U.S. GMO corn. Earlier this week, the two nations met to talk about the sale of genetically modified corn across our southern border with no resolution reached with our nation willing to explore all options. U.S. Ag Secretary Vilsack pointed out that more needs to be done. We believe in a science-based system. Corn growers are watching the discussions closely. And I'm going to slide on over to some of our events happening around the area. And we talked to Sonia Merritt about the Auburndale FFA Ice Glow. There's going to be a, there's going to be a walk through the school forest um, tomorrow from 5 to 9 with lighting underneath ice chunks. And that's put on by the FFA and the officers are going to be working. It's a free will donation. And the ch- money goes to sleep in heavenly peace. There will be concessions there. I'm thinking a lot of hot chocolate's going to be happening. And on Sunday, if you're hungry, head on down to the Osseo Fairchild FFA Pancake Breakfast going to be held Sunday from 8 till noon at the Osu Fairchild High School Cafeteria. And it's an all-you-can-eat pancake breakfast. I'm going to head on down there. I'll be down there probably right around 8 o'clock because I've got some other stuff going on after that. And the Wisconsin Outstanding Young Farmers are going to be gathering in Manitowoc this weekend to pick the Number one, the Wisconsin Outstanding Young Farmer that's going to be going on to the national competition. The Wisconsin Specialty Crop Growers are having their Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Conference starting on Sunday and going through Tuesday the 31st at the Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells. 
And the Dairy Producer Grant applications are open through January 30th. That's on Monday. So if you have a dairy processor grant and you want to fill out an application and the grants awarded for projects up to $50,000 and two years in duration. So head on over to the DATCAP website and they will tell you more. Cover crop insurance rebate is happening. Uh, is open till January 31st. Go to DATCAP's website and find out more on that. And the DMC enrollment deadline was extended till January 31st. So if you have your information, get enrolled in the DMC. And we've got, there is a PDPW Carbon Conference on Tuesday, January 31st in Madison. They're going to unearth the potential of carbon. And I think that's about enough things to talk about outside the news that we have here. We've got to get through some more chores before we head on over to the markets. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And it is time to, it is quarter to to six, 18 degrees here in Eau Claire at Wax 104.5. And it's time to hear from Jim Lindsay and Equity Altoona. Choice beef steers and heifers $1.25 to $1.52. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers $1.25 to $1.50. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers $1.37 to $1.47. Choice Holstein steers $1.25 to $1.36. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers $1.24 and down. Top 20% of the cull cows sold from 75 to 90. We had a top of 96 and a half. 60% of the cows sold from 60 to 74. The bottom 20% of the cows sold from 59 and down. Organic market from Tuesday, 80% of the organic cows sold from 85 to $1.15. Bottom 20% of the organic cows sold from 84 and down. Cull bulls sold from 70 to $1. Thin, full horn, and lightweight bulls all discounted. 80% of the 95-pound and up Holstein bull calf sold from 60 to $150 per head. Light and poor quality calf sold from 60 to per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from $120 to $225 per head. Hogs on Thursday sows sold from $50 to $60. Butchers were from $55 to $65. Here are prices for fancy vaccinated feeder cattle from our last sale, which was held here on January 20th. 3 to 600 pound beef steers $1.35 to $1.96. 6 to 900 pound beef steers $1.30 to $1.89. 6 to 900 pound beef heifers $1.25 to $1.80. 6 to 900 pound beef heifers $1.20 to $1.59. 3 to 600 pound Holstein steers 90 to a dollar 48. 6 to 900 pound Holstein steers 80 to a dollar 30. Our next special feeder sale is Friday, February 3rd, starting at noon. All feeder sales are live on Cattle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And the guy that's always calling me, I don't know. Jerry Fitzgerald from Equity Stratford is on the line, ready to give us the update on the markets. Well, Joe, good morning to you. I call you up five days a week, but I'm not trying to sell you anything, you know. So, you know, so don't worry about that. All right. <laughs> 
Okay, we'll do the report for the week here at Stratford. Jill, thank you, and a very good morning to everyone. A summary from this past week here at Equity Stratford. And we'll start with the market cow auction, a steady to strong market on the cows this week. On the close, high-yielding fleshy Holstein cows. We're selling from uh, uh, mostly from uh, 77 to up to a top of 88 yesterday. And earlier in the week, uh, we did see some high-yielding beef cows all the way to 95. Most of the cows this week from 57 to 77, thinner, white carcass cows below 55. On the organic market on Tuesday, very strong cows, very strong market on the organic cows, high-yielding organics were selling from $1.18 to $1.36, lower-yielding organic cows below $1.15. On the fat cattle trend this week, choice breeding Holstein steers mostly from 127 to 140 select and underfinished cattle 123 and below. On the bull trade, your most of the bulls this week, 85 to 95, lighter weight bulls below 85. Calf market on the close, good quality hosting bull calves on the close, 75 to 175. And earlier in the week, Monday's auction, a lot of those bull calves from 180 up to a top of 245. Heifer calves this week, mostly 30 to 70. Again, a very strong market on the beef calves on the close, 150 to 300. Earlier in the week, a lot of these beef calves again on Monday sale from 325 all the way up to 380. We just want to take a look here at the next week uh, marketing uh, schedule here at Equity Stratford, full market week, of course. Uh, probably the highlight next week will be our feeder auction on feeder cattle sale auction on uh, on Wednesday, and that will be the first day of February. That'll be a 12:30 start time on Wednesday for that feeder sale. We do have a complete herd dispersal of beef cattle for that sale. These will include black cows, red cows, uh, all the. In fact, all the cows are going to be dispersed. Uh, he's got some two-year-olds, yearlings, some young heifer calves. So, again, some information on our website. If you folks are in the beef business, good opportunity here on next Wednesday here at Equity Stratford, 12.30 p.m. So, Jill, uh, you have a nice weekend. Everyone out there also, a nice weekend. Stay warm because I'm sure about the next time I'm going to talk to you on Monday morning, uh, it's not going to be 15 above. Probably not. Okay, and you're telling me that there's a possibility that uh, um, Mr. Bolsold will be returning to Wisconsin? Um, That's what he told me when I talked to him last week. I haven't talked to him yet this week, so apparently I've held it together good enough. Yeah, we'll just tell him, I mean, Bob, you're coming back. It's going to be nice and balmy, 40 degrees above, you know, snow will probably all melted off your lawn, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I think he keeps track, so I think I'll, uh, I won't be able to do that, so. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, good. you have a nice, yeah, you have a nice weekend, and we will talk to you on Monday morning. Sounds good. And that was Jerry Fitzgerald from Equity Stratford. And we're getting tight here. We've got Lissa Seafelt here in the news in the room, and we've got to get through our markets. So we're going to do one more run at our markets. Chicago Board of Trade, March corn, 683, up a penny. March oats, 364, down a penny and a half. March soybeans, 1521, down two cents. And our March wheat, 859, down a nickel. And our country elevator prices, wheat and grain, Chippewa Falls, 628 and 1462. At the Cottersville location, it's 628 and 1457. Golden Plump and Arcadia, corn, 655. Baldwin, 636 and 1449. Duran, 631 and 1444. Mondovi, 636 and 1448. Elmwood, 636 and 1454. Fall Creek is 622 and 1429. Osseo, 641 for corn and 1454 for soybeans. 
Elk Mound, 631 and 1454. Sparta, 629 and 1443. Ellsworth, 612 and 1399. Northside Elevator, Loyal Locations, 628 and 1451. Arcadia, 648 and 1453. At our ethanol plants, Boyceville, 653 and 630. And at Stanley, 638. New Richmond, 630. And our Dairy Markets, Barrels 159, up one and three quarters, 40 pound blocks, 196, up four and a half, gray double A butter, 226 and three quarters, no change from yesterday. Class three milk futures, January 1948, up a nickel. February up 11 cents to 1832 and March 1816, up 21 cents. We're going to do a couple more chores and then we're going to be hearing from Lissa. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And as promised, I've got Lissa Seafelt. She's the ag educator out of the Eau Claire Extension Office. Now, trips, slips, and falls. That seems to be quite a theme for this winter with all the ice around there. What are you going to tell me about it? Yeah. So good morning, everyone. Um, slips, trips, and falls are one of our really significant portions of farm injuries that are non-fatal, and they're largely preventable. Um, you know, especially for somebody that may be having to crawl up a silo on on one of these days where we got a lot of snow accumulation and things are getting a little icy. Just to give you some perspective, a fall from a height of only six feet generates about 3,200 pounds of force, which is equivalent to the weight of a midsize car. So even a fall from that height um, could cause significant injury, you know, bone breaking, that kind of thing. Um, so we wanted to use extra caution when we are, um, going about our day. You know, it's, it's easy to get caught up in things that we're trying to get stuff done quickly and get out of that cold winter weather, but we do have to do that safely. Um, so that means using, um, you know, handrails, making sure that, um, we're having good, uh, contact with whatever we are, uh, maybe stepping onto. If we're going up a step, we want to make sure that we have a good point of contact on the ground before we take that other foot off the ground and make that step up, um, because that's what can really, um, change your balance and cause a fall. Um, if we have areas where we know that ice is forming, um, we want to make note of that for the future um, because maybe there's some things we can do um, before we get in the winter to help prevent some ice from forming. For example, if we have rain gutters, we maybe forgot to clean out the debris in the fall um, that may be blocking those uh, rain gutters from draining any melted um, water away when we have those warm days where it's freezing and thawing. Um, so cleaning those downspouts and rain gutters out is important too. Um Obviously, everybody knows to use sand and salt when we have icy patches forming. That's a big thing to help. Um, but again, if we have areas that we know are going to be accumulating um, either ice or have um, slippery materials like mud or, or um, manure on them, we want to make sure that we're um, being careful as we're walking um, or avoid those areas if we can um, because that's going to be important um, for our safety and, and making sure that we have a, a good day. And it's always good to have those good days. I'd like to uh, say that we need to have a new sport of tiny step walking. Because <laughs> I think I've done more tiny steps this year than I've done in a long time. Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, using those smaller steps is what I um, tend to call penguin walking um, because that really helps you keep your, your point of balance um, centered over your body instead of 
um, in front of you or behind you, which is what causes you to fall. So, yeah, those those penguin steps are really important for getting around in those icy areas for sure. Well, that's some great advice from Lissa Seafelt. She's the egg educator from Eau Claire County. And right now, temperatures in Eau Claire is 18 degrees and snow showers. We're going to reach up to a high of 30, they tell me, today. But the snow hopefully will stop this morning. But wind is going to pick up tonight. Our low is 6. And tomorrow, 13. And then we're dropping off into the single digits for the highs. And remember, that's that's what I have for you for this farm show this morning. And remember, take care of yourself and take care of each other. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report, available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Montovi and the Chilson family of Ram dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadah. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.